For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. National Team on WNRI AM 1380 and streaming live on the internet at WNRI.com. Brought to you by Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now, Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue here. Uh, we'll be joined a little bit later in the show of the interview with Brad Feldman that we conducted on Friday evening. Um, the Revolution playing a game against Atlanta FC, actually the semifinals of the Superliga, um, and, and that one coming away with a one to nothing victory, um, but really overshadowed by the violence that took place during the end of that match and after the match as well. Uh, disappointing there, what should have been really a celebration for the Revs having advanced to the Superliga final, um, was disappointingly kind of kind of ruined by uh, what happened at the end with five players being ejected um, at the end of that match and uh, dozens of yellow cards throughout that as well. Um, what happened there was, um, the, the, to start the game, Shara Joseph had the opening score um, in the 30th minute, I believe, off a Steve Ralston free kick, which is really about from about 40 yards out there, that free kick from Ralston. So a great set piece there. Um, and they had trouble defending against Shara Joseph the entire night on set pieces. They changed up the people defending him, you know, I think, three or four different times. And uh, eventually before one of the set pieces, um, one of the guys... Defending him either slapped or hit him, or not 100% sure exactly uh, what he did, but Joseph went down there, um, and that was the first red card of the night, and that went to, uh, I, I believe that was actually Luis Gabriel Ray, uh, the striker there for Atlanta. A little surprised that he was defending him in the first place, because um, no one was having, no one was doing a good job there. Uh, but obviously frustrated there, got the red card, um, and that really sent things out of control later on in the match. You saw. Um, Later, late in the match, another tackle, I believe, was on Dubé, uh, and another red card was issued. This one to Alan Zamora, uh, and then after the final, final, actually this one, after the final whistle, there were red cards to uh, the goalkeeper Federico Villar, uh, Mustafa got a red card as well, um, Luis Venegas got a red card, and uh, the unfortunate part was Jay Heaps also got a red card. That one, I believe, was for dissent or for, for arguing. Not 100% sure there. Didn't look like he got involved really in, as far as the pushing and the shoving and you know a couple of punches were thrown by Villar and I believe a coach um, from that team as well I guess we'll ask Brad a little bit more about that later on in the show and see what you know he saw on that issue but we do have some comments from the game again a very good performance by the Revs very very good defense there Jeff Lorenowitz stepped up in Michael Parker's Parker's absence and almost flawlessly took his place there uh, so that was very important for the Revs to you know take that spot and really shut them out defensively and then they scored in a great free kick um, so now they're advancing to the final where they'll play Houston. And uh, maybe after this game, I'm a little bit happy not to be playing a, another Mexican opponent because uh, Pachuca had the same type of finish to their game with Houston. 
where they got involved in a fight at the end there, too. Uh, Houston advancing, by the way, of a 2 nothing victory. But we do have Steve Nichols' comments um, from the Wednesday night match against Atlanta, and we'll play those now. I mean, aside from the fight, it seemed like you guys were pretty much on top for the entire game and looked, looked comfortable except for like a 15-minute stretch to start the second half. Yeah, I mean, I thought we were solid. You know, I don't, I don't remember them having a chance where they should have scored. Um, and we made, we made two or three chances where we, we maybe should have scored. You know, Doobie's hit the crossbar, but you know, he got to hit the target. So yeah, I thought we were, you know, defensively we, we were sound. You know, Jeff went in there at the back with heaps and did a great job. Um, and we we knocked it about at times, so. We were happy with the performance. Now, the fact that the performance was so good seemed to kind of lend to what happened towards the end there, where they just seemed to get frustrated and started kicking you about the, the pitch. And absolutely. Frustration. That's, that's absolutely correct. It's frustrating. Um, you know, the referees... I mean, the referee can only give yellows and reds. I mean, he can't stop people losing the discipline. And the fact they finished the game with two guys sent off and... Numerous yellows. Um, you know, the referee can only do so much. At the end of the day, the players have to discipline themselves as well. And they lost the discipline. I'd, I'd like to say one thing about what happened at the end. And the one thing I would like to comment on is that, you know, staff members, uh, I think, I think we as coaches and staff of the team, um, we're there to, to help the players, whether it's on the field, off the field. Uh, and the one thing that really disappointed me was that there was a member of their staff on the field throwing punches, and that is unacceptable. And that's the only thing I'll say about it. Now he's coming to uh, Houston on Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, you know, Jay Heap's getting sent off is, is a real blow. Um, I'm hoping the referee will look at it and, and see whether he made the right decision. Um, you know, Jay... Jay said the guy punched him, um, and he got sent off. So hopefully we can look at that, and, and the referee can look at it, and hopefully he's made, he's made an error in judgment, and then we'll speak up for him. But if he doesn't, then we have to we have to figure a way out of, of getting ready for next week. I mean, what do you tell you guys to do in that kind of situation? Again, you just you're just hoping that there's enough calm heads there that are that are you know influencing getting people away. Uh, it's very difficult when somebody's attacking you, shall we say, to, to just turn around and, and let it happen. So, you know, I certainly, I don't condone any of that behaviour from, from their team and my team, but, you know, when somebody's, when somebody's in your face throwing the fists at you, it's, it's, it's easy for me to, to say just get away, but it's very difficult when there's so many of them at the same time. So, again, I don't condone it, but some of it is, is kind of understandable. Again, that was uh, Revolution head coach Steve Nichol and his comments on uh, the, super, the win in the Super League semifinal against Atlante. There, of course, the Revs had played Atlante in the preseason as well. Um, several red cards in that game. Um, so c- kind of to be expected, I guess, going into this one. Uh, yeah, talk to Jeff the Reynolds. We'll play that in a minute. But uh, the Revs do play this team po- quite possibly two more times. They have to get past uh, Joe Public FC in the preliminary rounds of the Champions League. 
Uh, obviously, the Revs are going to be the favorites going into that matchup, but you never know what could happen there. Uh, but should they advance, they will play Atlante uh, in the group stages twice, including one time um, in Mexico and Cancun where Atlante plays their home matches. So that should be very interesting to see how that goes. Uh, certainly, certainly this match is going to add to uh, the intrigue of those upcoming matches. So we'll see what happens there. Um, obviously, the Revs are going to hope that uh, a lot less violence in that one, but uh, we do have Jeff Lorenowitz's comments on what he saw in the fight and um, what he what he actually um, he wasn't really involved in it, but what he actually saw as a bystander uh, in this one. So we can play those now. Things are a little out of control. I mean, to be honest, the game should have been ended about three or four minutes before it did. So that's what happens in a game like that. Tempers flare. Did you see anything? Were you, I mean, were you involved at all? No, I mean, people were a little upset going off the field. You know, when you're going across the across the other team, you're gonna you're gonna run into some guys, and obviously there were some unhappy people. I mean, I think there were times when the when the referee could have gotten control, and obviously there were players on their team. I mean, someone gets fouled in our box, and their goalkeeper runs 110 yards to come and get involved. Obviously, there's times where uh, you need to keep an eye on some players. You had a contentious preseason game. Were you anticipating something like this? Absolutely. I mean, whether we played them in preseason or not, I mean, it's going to be, you know, incredibly contentious because, you know, for them there's a million dollars on the line. You put a million dollars in front of anybody, they're going to play hard. And not only that, if they lose, you know, they're going to be that much more upset. Obviously, we came in here with a smaller prize, but, uh, you know, wanted to play as hard. We were at home, and, and we got the result we won. I mean, obviously the first first five minutes were a little tough because in the midfield you can you can find your chances to take breaks. In the back, you, you need to constantly be organizing and constantly constantly be on your game and, and thinking and, and, and uh, communicating. So, first five or ten minutes, it was a little uh, it was a little tough. But once I got out there, playing next to Jay, I mean, obviously he's a veteran and you know controlled things. It seemed like we had five men forward sometimes during that first half, but fresh on the defense. Yeah, I mean, we were prepared for that. You know, we, we knew that they like to tuck their wide midfielders inside and, and push guys forward. So, you know, at that point we were, we were prepared and our, our, our wide midfielders knew how to handle it. Looking forward to getting a chance to have some revenge against Houston in the final. Yeah, I mean, of course. I mean, any, everybody wants to win a final. Everybody wants a trophy. And, uh, you know, coming in the middle of the season, regardless of the last two years, it's, it's a tournament that we want to win. Again, that was Revolution midfielder Jeff Aronowitz. I uh, actually played defense in this one, I should say. Um, as I mentioned, filling in for Parkerson, doing a great job there. And the back line didn't really miss a beat. Of course, he did play there in college, but he hasn't really played there for the Revs, at least not at all this season. Um, another move there was uh, Steve Ralston playing in the center of a 4-4-2 formation of midfield there. Ralston, of course, the attacking midfielder um, for the Revolution in their 3-5-2 formation. Uh, but in this one, played as the central midfielder in the 4-4-2 uh, they have obviously played a four-man back line and a four-man midfield um, throughout the Super League, but this is the first time that Ralston's been there. It's usually been Lorenowitz there in a more defensive-minded midfield, and it worked very well. Joseph uh, did a great job, and as I mentioned, also scored the goal. Uh, Steve Ralston was always open for a pass and did a good job kind of controlling things from the midfield. Uh, so overall, a great performance by the Revs. Um, Matt Reese in the back made a couple of key saves, but um, great positioning made them look easier than they probably were. Some point blank saves there, but I, honestly, I think Reese probably had less saves to make in, uh, throughout the Super League and some of these shutouts that he's had than uh, through many of the MLS game shutouts that he's had this season. So, but we did talk to Reese and uh, his comments on that. Uh, obviously, upset with how it went down at the end, and uh, another opportunity for him to comment on the pay structure for the players should they win this tournament and how the MLS teams uh, only 15% of the prize goes to the players. 
Uh, of course, the entire prize does not go to the players for the Mexican teams either. I believe those teams uh, actually get to set it. This, in this case, it's set with the league. Um, I believe Pachuca got 35% of the players there, and I think they actually donated that to a charity, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Uh, obviously, though, the MLS players putting a lot into this, making a lot less than these Mexican teams in general. Um, so understandable, especially when something like this happens, people can get hurt. Um, why they feel that they should get a bigger prize, and we do have uh, Reese's comments, and we can play those now. No, it's just you know, it's, you, you see it all the time. I'm sure if you went back and, and looked at the the tape of, of every game that uh, one of the teams from Mexico has lost in this, they're all screaming, and yelling at the referee, and you know, they're sitting there. They have uh, people from their staff coming on, taking shots at people. You know, the referee doesn't doesn't call the game. You know, we get guys bladed, and we're doing all this for for 15 percent of the prize. So, in the end, you know, we're not happy. We're not happy with the way things went down, but. You know, we played a good game, and you know, all they wanted to come here and do is fight us. What really happened at the end of the game? They just come in. They, they had guys from their team, guys from their staff, just came and started swinging and hitting people from behind, cheap shots. Now he's coming to Houston again, huh? Yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. It's tough because you guys really did put in a good performance tonight, and. It- I mean, it's going yeah. to get a little bit obscured by the fact that... Right, you know, we, we we did. We did what we had to do. I, I don't think they had too many chances on goal. Um, we played really, really well defensively, even even though we lost one of our, our key components of Michael Parker's. It just it, it get, gets marred by everything that happened. And, you know, it's probably the referee's fault for not calling it earlier. You played a real tight game tonight on the inside. You didn't play it after the wing. Was that a strategy you used? No, I, I think we did. We, we tried to play wide as much as possible. Um, you know, I, th- I thought Sandy, you look at it during the game, Sandy had a lot of the ball, and so did Mauricio when he was in there. And when Cano came in, he, he got the ball a lot also. So, you know, when we play four, it's important to, to get the ball wide, and I, I thought we did that. It didn't seem like there were, you guys missed a beat defensively. I mean, Jeff kind of just slotted in there, and, you know, there wasn't any sort of adjustment period or anything where... I mean, it just seemed that you guys picked up. And... Yeah, you know, Jeff had, had played center back for, um, you know, his four years in, in college. So, um, you know, that's kind of his spot on the field as a, as a holding defensive player. And, you know, it's just now he moves back a little bit. Again, that was Revolution goalkeeper Matt Reese. Uh, was the all-star goalkeeper this year, too, um, and, on his comments in that game. We are going to take a quick break here so we can get to that interview with Brad Feldman um, and find out a little bit more about what happened in that uh, and that melee there. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back and uh, have Brad Feldman on. Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. The 
National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue. As I mentioned, we're going to get right into that interview with Brad Feldman. Uh, Brad Feldman, of course, the Revolution play-by-play uh, TV announcer there. Also, the Revolution broadcast executive does a lot of work on RevolutionSoccer.net, hosts the uh, In the Net radio show there, and uh, as well as posts regularly on the RevolutionSoccer.net blog. Um, got the chance to talk to Brad on Friday morning and find out a little bit after after you had the chance to uh, reevaluate a little bit what happened after that game uh, and find out his thoughts on what happened, maybe what would be a fair punishment uh, for that team, and you know what's going to happen going forward when the refs have to face this team in the Champions League, and, and looking forward a bit in Houston. So here's that interview. Obviously, the the big story was the fight, but we'll get to that later. Uh, first of all, uh, now. Three victories for the Revs against Mexican opponents, each time keeping them shut out. Um, have you been impressed by how well this team has been able to you know, contain the offenses of these Mexican teams they really haven't seen before? Yeah, I think tactically the, the Revolution has shown more sophistication and just discipline that I think people gave uh, not just the Revolution but MLS uh, teams credit for being able to do in the past. Uh, you know, there's a, a each one of those teams has their own talent and and, and sort of collective skill sets, but they have a style. And Steve Nichol clearly worked out a, a plan that that would flummox and, and frustrate that style. A very compact defending. I think the Revolution's uh, speed on the outside has really frustrated the Mexican opponents, uh, Niasi in particular, but also Cano Smith. Uh, and I think in the last game, uh, Mauricio Castro, though he didn't, get, you know, get down the line the way Niasi did. You know, he, his ability to to keep the ball sort of balanced out, the, what, what Niasi was doing on the other side. And I also think Shari Joseph is an absolute, you know, titan in, in all the games. Yeah, and it hasn't just been the defensive end either. Joseph's had the you know, the game winner in this one, and then the game tying goal that got him to this game. So he's been huge for the team. It seems like throughout this tournament, yeah, really stepped up. Mistake it, didn't he uh, create a goal too? You know, with the, with the rebound, and so you know it's been uh, you know at both ends of the field, and and I, I'm not the only one to comment on it, but it became pretty apparent by about halftime of the uh, Atlante game that Jeff Laurentowitz was doing a very good Michael Parkhurst impression uh, filling in, and if he can do that while Mike's away, that will make a big difference for the Revolution. Yeah, definitely. It seems like Joseph was really frustrating them on the set pieces, and then um, you mentioned the, the wings, Niasi, um, who I didn't think had his best game. He was getting forward. I think he tried to do a little bit too much in the first half, uh, but really frustrating the defense again, creating more fouls. It seems like none of these teams have really been able to contain Niasi. Yeah, well, how do you contain a guy who looks like he's shot out of a cannon every time he gets the ball? Yeah, he over he overdid it a few times, and the final pass wasn't very good in the first half for Sani, but it doesn't mean that he's still not a danger. Like, they still try to double and triple team him. I think he was just sort of getting his uh, rhythm back uh, after a 10-day layoff. Uh, you know, sometimes his, his first touch was too strong or his, his last uh, pass was not of the quality we're used to seeing. 
But it doesn't mean that they're not worried about it every time they get the ball. And I think Shari, you know, against Atlante, not only was he obviously too much for them to contain on on the free kicks and the corner kicks, but uh, they had no answer for him in the, in the middle of the park. Uh, uh, their number eight, I think, is uh, Zamora. You know, just you know, not even close to what Sharfi was able to do in terms of ball winning and and, able, and keeping the ball. There were times when you know, they really tried to harry uh, Sharfi, and you just you know, a couple extra touches would spin away and either spray it wide or find a guy short. And you know, to me, that's a you know, definition of an excellent defensive midfielder. A guy who wins the ball and helps you keep it. And, uh, and you know, a great A defensive midfielder not just helps you keep it, but he does something very useful with it. And, and, and triggers the build-up uh, to the attack. So, yeah, Shari's amazing. Yeah, and it was the first time all season the Revs had gone with a 4-4-2 with Steve Ralston as one of the central midfielders that, that I can recall. So even, even, even more defensive work, it seems like Ramney didn't miss a beat. And um, Greg Lawless is the one who pointed out, you know, Telefutura uh, gave the man of the match to, to Shari uh, as you would when, when there's one goal in the game and he scores it, and also you know his excellent play that we were just talking about. But Boston did really well in terms of making himself available all night long for for Shari. And I, you know, if you look at one of those touch charts, I, I, I bet you you'd, it would show Shari, you know, passing to, to Ralston more than anybody. And uh, we know that he's able to take up good spots and that he's really mobile with a work. Uh, Sideline to sideline when he's playing in a in a central role, and uh, you know that made it difficult for Atlante too. You, know, you could you could go back to a couple of very good chances for Atlante, and you know they had a pretty good shot for handball against Lorenzowitz. But in terms of you know chance for chance, there was a chance to I think by a ratio of five or six to one over the night. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Matt Reese obviously made some a couple of important saves there, but I, I really think he had less work probably in these three Mexican games and a, a couple of MLS games where he's had the shutout. Yeah, absolutely. He just, he just came up big in a couple of big moments. Um, I think that, you know, the biggest one was when he came off his line in the second half and charged down Mustafa uh, and sort of ran through him. And it was a fair play. And you want to look back to sort of the, the seeds of the, of the fight, I think it was, you know, the confrontation that you know that with Jay had to go Mustafa for going down. When I, I think that he legitimately did get kind of cleaned out by Reese on a fair play, but Jay seemed to accuse that guy of diving. And they, Jay also, I think, was involved in the dust up in the first half uh, when their number 31 sort of continue, continued to play when Shari was down. And as we said on the broadcast, it's not really you know it's, the Reds have to. Go consult the FIFA rules. They, they just simply and and I, I'll put this on on Steve Nickel too. But he says that he tells them the guys is they simply need to to sort of reevaluate, you know, the way they handle these injury situations. The, my understanding is the director from FIFA is that only the referee stops play. That it's not up to the players to determine, you know, what's you know sports and like and what's not. So play the whistle, man. And so don't go bananas when Atlante continues to play because that's what they're told to do, and they're, and they're correct in that situation, even if it goes against you know, the sort of traditional no, notion of sportsmanship. Uh, it's not the way it was four, you know, four or five years ago and was for a long time. But, uh, uh, I think that's where maybe you know, the Mexicans might point to the revolution being a little bit 
you know, too amped up and too quick to accuse them of, of unsportsmanlike play. I think both of those instances, I think the, the Revolution were a little bit, uh, you know, too quick to react. Yeah, certainly. And, I mean, it's not like they haven't faced that kind of situation before where they've had the, you know, at least two other situations where there's been an injury and the, maybe the Revs haven't been, you know, going full at it after that, expecting the ball to be kicked out. I don't, I don't understand why it continues to be a problem. Going back to last year, like, Greg and I laugh about it in the booth. It's just like, guys, play the whistle. That's how it works now. And I, I, don't, I think what needs to be clarified is that it's not up to them anymore, that there's been a change in the, you know, in the way the game is, is, is officiated. And I think the, uh, uh, Batris, the uh, Guatemalan referee, who I thought handled the, the fracas at the end really badly, and you know, especially the way he handled stoppage time, I think that that more than any other factor led to the brawl. But I, I think that they need to understand that, that the referee's call, uh, and if it's the wrong call, then they just have to deal with it and play, and then you know, you know, lodge your protest afterwards. But don't, you know, don't hold that against the the opposition. Hold that against the referee if, if you're going to be mad at anybody. Yeah, and I, I think it was a kind of a telling sign too, where and I, I believe it was Joseph, uh, the incident where Joseph was down, uh, Albright managed to get the ball over the line for a goal kick, and then uh, there was something went on there where the, the substitutes of Atlanta jumped over the sideboards there and started getting involved there too. So well, the, and and that's where they should be punished. Yeah, I mean, like that's one of the things where you'd hope when they review the DVD that no matter what, that you know that's like you know ice hockey, right? When the guy leaves the bench, you, you can't do that. You know, like that's. Uh, you know, listen, Atlante was a little bit rough and ready there, too, so I'm, I'm certainly not fully most of the blame on the Revs. I was just looking, in, you know, in hindsight, once it calmed down for some sort of the antecedents to the to the whole incident at the end, which, you know, does not happen if Atlante's not there to, you know, sort of drag the game down to the gutter. Like, that That was, you know, I, I put 99% of the blame on them, but, um, you know... <sighs> It was too, you know, it was too bad that that you know, detracted so much attention away from another really important Revolution victory. They've chased three very good Mexican teams out of their their stadium in the last two weeks. Yeah, it should have been more of a celebration that they're going on to the final than you know, what happened at the end. So that was really unfortunate to see. But was was Heaps involved there right at the beginning? It seemed like he had said something to one of their defenders at the end of the game when people were leaving the field. I mean, I don't I think, think he took a swing or anything. But I, I don't want to speak out of turn because I heard two different things. I heard he, t- you know, I saw them turn and, and like sort of do a double fist pump and exclaim something. But apparently that's not what he was ejected for. He apparently also said something to the referee. And I'm guessing it had something to do with the fact the referee gave five minutes of stoppage time and then let it go nearly two minutes over that uh, stoppage time. I think that the, the thing that I found so hard to believe, you know, not only does you know does he reward Atlante for with five minutes of stoppage time when they created all the incidents that, that you know that, that led to there being an excessive amount of stoppages. You know, okay. You have your full complement of substitutes. That should be three minutes of stoppage time, right? So, so then he gives him five, and then there's that that Mustafa hit on Kelly Dubay, where the guy didn't even look at the ball. You know, runs him over, and you know, I I don't have the timing down exactly, but my understanding and my recollection is that that took, you know, that foul and subsequent free kick took the game over five minutes. Okay, so let Ralston take the free kick as soon as. You know the revolution don't score, you know, directly off that serve. 
there's a clearance, end of the game. Why does Atlante get another trip up the field the other direction? That's the part, Sean, I don't understand from the referee's perspective. You're courting disaster. And, to again, if they're throwing cheap shot fouls. The foul on Christian, the foul on Joseph, the foul on, on Dubé down the stretch. You know, there's also one on Niazi. All of those are the ones that sort of added up uh, you know, to, to having to put on on stoppage time. So then you're giving them an opportunity to equalize as a reward for, you know, nearly hospitalizing a couple of guys. And that's the part that I thought was really, really poor. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, that, you know, the powers that be, you know, recognize that that was a terrible mistake. And that really is what led to there being an opportunity uh, for what happened at the end. And even before that, it looked like, uh, I mean, Villar, who was obviously involved in the incident against Houston, too, where I think he you know, slapped Darosario before Darosario got ejected. Uh, no, that, that was Mustafa. Oh, that was... Yeah, that was their number two, the big, the big uh, goonish uh, Argentinian. And we should make note that, you know, the three of the worst actors in that were not Mexican. There were some words flying around afterwards, uh, you know, on the chat boards, even the post-game quotes. Uh, you know the, the team's based in Cancun. It's a Mexican team, but you got to treat everybody on an individual basis. And you don't say Mexicans yeah. do this, or uh, you know, Vilar is uh, Argentinian of Italian descent. He has dual citizenship. Uh, Ray, uh, who was the guy who got Ray Carter for the incident with Joseph, he's from Colombia, and uh, and Mustafa is also from from Argentina. So you know, it's it's you know, it's more the mentality that we've seen from some Mexican teams. That they're they're not good losers when it comes to playing American teams because there's so much pressure on them. They don't gain anything by winning the the game in terms of stature and, and praise, but they have a lot to lose if they go back. You know, and they've lost the you know the Yankee Gringos. Uh, their their media absolutely you know slaughter them in the papers and on TV. And I think that that's what ratchets up the pressure. It's no excuse, Sean. Like, you know, the thing I hate the most is like you, you know you don't always have a fight like this, but. The idea that you, you shake hands when you win and you walk off when you lose, it, like to me that's the biggest, that, like, it's just, I don't know how that you, you know, as an athlete you respect yourself for that. Yeah, and we saw something similar at the end of the game on Tuesday in Houston as well, and uh, how uh, Pachuca reacted at the end of that one. So. And listen, uh, it, and I'm not saying that the Revolution were 100% angels on, on uh, Wednesday night, but I think anybody who saw both games would say that Houston was more culpable in the escalation uh, on Tuesday night than the Revs were. Uh, on Wednesday night, uh, I, you know, Houston did some things there that, that I think that they could have <laughs> they could have you know, avoided. But it also, the, 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 you know, I think that the referees handled breaking it up and getting security out there better than the referees did on Wednesday. And you know, what could have been a very explosive scene was, was somewhat diffused. Like there were no punches. And, again, I don't want to dwell on the fight all night, but the worst thing was I went back and I watched the TV tape, Sean, like not just the stuff that was uh, that actually aired on the screen, but that, you know, they are able to archive digitally uh, four or five angles from the cameras, and you got to see things that happened away from the TV picture, and, you know, nobody has, with, you know, just one pair of eyes, the ability to see all the things that go on. Um, you know, it was amazing to me to hear people saying, oh, well, you know, Albright dove or was, you know, so some guy, one of their staff guys, snuck up behind him, took a, a hooked finger, stuck it into his eye socket, and raked it across his, his eye. Fortunately, Chris closed his eye and sort of moved away. And I, you know, like it, it looked like he, you know he had some redness and, and you know blurriness in, in his eye afterwards. But I don't think, I hope, 
that there was no damage to that eye. But the guy was trying to put his eye out, dude. That was you can't do like that guy should be banned from the sport for years. Like, to me, like that's not a, a, a punch in defense of one of your guys. Chris was in there, yeah, pushing a little bit and tra- sticking up for his guys. He wasn't throwing punches. He wasn't trying to injure anybody. And one of, the, one of their coaches sneaks up behind him and, 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 and rakes his eye. Are you kidding? To me, that's like Mike Tyson trying to bite Evander Holyfield. It's just so far out of bounds, you know, in terms of what sport is all about. You know, the Ultimate Fighting Championships, which I'm not a huge fan of, um, like they don't allow anything like that. It's, it's barbaric. And that's the stuff that, you know, that you just... You just say, what are these guys thinking? You know, you know, that's not tough guy behavior anywhere. Well, then the question becomes, what is a fair punishment for these guys? I mean, I, I don't think it, the odds of anything happening in, in addition to Superliga, I would guess, would not be that good, and I don't think this team's going to be back in Superliga. I mean, we saw MLS uh, give a fine to Blanco for what he did on uh, the Open Cup game, uh, which obviously they didn't have to do. That was, you know, they get suspended for the Open Cup, which really probably won't mean much for him. But uh, what would be a fair punishment here? Well, this is what I'll say is, you know, Atlante didn't impress me as being as good a team as Pachuca or Santos Laguna. They finished fourth in their group in the Clausura in Mexico, and unless they add a couple more components or much better than what we saw Wednesday, I'm guessing they're not going to be you know, a championship team in the Mexican Primera this season. Uh, that means that they won't be a Super League team next year uh, because they're not one of the big draws. They got it because they won the Apertura of 2007, not because they sell a lot of tickets. Uh, I think that, you know, this is governed by, by some, this tournament, but it's also administered by CONCACAF, right? Those are CONCACAF officials, and both teams are CONCACAF member nations. There has to be some sort of carryover where, you know, the revolution, presuming they're able to advance past Joe Public, are going to see Atlante in the Champions League. And Atlante is in the Champions League coming up. And I think that there should be suspensions from CONCACAF-sanctioned club tournaments involved. I don't think that coach, whose name I haven't, you know, I, I, you know it's not for me to, to, to ID him, but if I could, I could go back and, and do that, um, anybody watches the tape and knows that team will be able to find out who he is. That, to me, that guy shouldn't coach for two years or something like that. Like, I, like not in, I, anywhere, not in the Mexican League, not in preseason, not in the pros. You know, like, you just, we don't need people like that in, in professional athletics. So, like, VR. I'd like to see him get a, a similar kind of punishment to what, you know, Blanco. I didn't see the whole Blanco incident. I just saw the tape that was available through Comcast down in the, you know, in the Washington area, and then uh, you know, what you read from the game, you know, the game accounts. But you know, Vilar was running around, and if you watch that tape, he had his fist cocked, his right hand cocked, and any time one of the officials turned his back, he he would like reach over somebody and throw a sucker shot. He was, you know, it wasn't like he was saying to, you know, Matt Reese, "Hey, let's you and me go and you know, just square off one on one." Yeah, and that was after he got the red card too. Yeah, mano v mano. It was all, it was all sucker shots. It was all from the side and from behind, and when there are two guys between him and somebody else, and you know that it only escalated and, con- and continued the, the incident. So, you know, I think that you know. For me, and maybe I'm biased, he should miss the group stage of the, the CONCACAF Champions League. Um, there are other things that I saw. I think it was number seven, but I'm not sure. There's, um, 
Navarro, no, Zamora, right? No, I, I'm getting my numbers confused. Somebody put his hands on Steve Ralston's throat. Uh, another coach appeared to throw a close fist punch at one of the Revolution staff members. You know, and none of this is in self-defense. You know, I, I think there need to be some suspensions. And, you know, maybe their coach, too. You, did you hear some of those comments that were made by the, by the, co- uh, the goalkeeper? And the yeah. Coach? You know, the United States is a dangerous country. You'd be lucky to get out of here. You know, they need to... Implying that they bribed the refs. Well, you know, I think that, you know, what's ironic is that I think, you know, from where you and I sit, and, you know, they'd probably claim that we have a bias. You know, we think of those places, Mexico and Argentina, as the kind of places where you can buy a ref. Now, I could be, I could be wrong. You know what I mean? But, you know, I certainly know that in Argentina there's been some funny business. And you can certainly make a strong case that, uh, for your average citizen, that both Mexico and Argentina are much more dangerous places than the United States. Um, I think they're both speaking the heat of the moment. And I think the Mexican teams actually, you know, I, I understand why they feel a little hard done by. Uh, all the big calls went against Mexican teams in this tournament. I think Pachuca had a fair gripe and that they had a you know legitimate goal called outside, but uh, I don't see why Atlante feels that they you know what really went wrong in this one. I mean, they could have had a you know, another player or two ejected if anything. Ball in the box would have been big in that game. You know, yeah. I mean, like in a, a game that was as tight score-wise, you know, Lorenzo with one was a you know bing bing play and it's the kind of one that gets missed. But you know, I think I, I'm. It, listen, the Revolution outplayed Atlante big time in that game. They deserve to win, but. You know, they went in with the mentality that, you know, because Pachuca was in the airport. If you watch the, the the sports shows for Mexico, they were griping, you know, all day about the refereeing in in uh, in Houston for the night before. So Atlante was coming in with the idea that they've been screwed, and Pachuca was already feeling like they'd been hard done by in the Revolution game for the handball call, which was, you know, that was an arguable call. I thought it was harsh. But it was literally a lot. It was a handball, you know. Um, but it, it, it all adds up to is the way the revolution and other teams feel when they go south of the border. I'm not saying that that means that the refs should, should then screw over Mexican teams when they come here. But you know that's international soccer, and you see it when Mexican teams play in the Copa Libertadores when they go down to places like Argentina and Brazil. You know they always feel like they get rough treatment. You know, so it, it's all sort of part of it, but. You know, to, to, to trigger a fight like that, you know, especially when you're in a situation where they, you know that it's, it's disadvantageous for the revolution to fight back because they have a, a final on Tuesday night. That's part of why it's so cheesy. It's not like the preseason game where, you know, everybody can stick up for themselves and there's you know, no ramifications. You know what I mean? It's like Atlante, they feel like they're at liberty to, to settle scores when they know that the revolution aren't. And I thought that that was sort of, you know, I don't know. I expressed myself pretty clearly in my call of the incident, and uh, I wouldn't back off anything I said. I do want to clarify, I posted this on the Rev's blog, and I was not suggesting that the Revolution should take the Ablante players out in the alley and beat them up. I was just saying that when it comes to it, they could, that they're tough enough to handle themselves. But, you know, Greg got kind of upset with me and cut me off. What I was trying to say was the Rev's showed up to play soccer, not turn it into a fight, and it appeared that Ablante had other ideas, and, you know, I thought it was very unfortunate, uh, but I, I just, you know, the Revolution guys always stick up for each other, which is, you know, part of what makes, you know, Stevie Nickel teams so strong and so hard to beat is that they, they do, you know, take it personally no matter who it is that you're messing with, and, uh, you know, that's what you want in a team sport, but what you don't want is, you know, 
fisticuffs and brawls and, you know, especially when it's done the way Ablante wants to do it, which is, to me, not a particularly manly way to fight. Well, I, th- I think it's ridiculous, too, that then they'll go after the games and say, you know, it was just a preseason game, it wasn't a big loss, it wasn't, you know, not a big deal. <laughs> and then after, after how seriously they took it with the way they handled it at the end, it's just ridiculous. But they won't even give the Revs credit for, you know, playing well. And well, of course. Of course. <laughs> but you know what? It does set up a couple of interesting uh, Champions League games. If yeah. It's advanced, doesn't it? What you worry about is going down there. You know what I mean? Like how, you know, what kind of atmosphere and protection and everything like that. And, uh, you, you know, you, you know that the Revolution organization will take it seriously, but you just want to make sure that the authorities and the powers that be understand. Because, you know, Listen, I've been to, to Cancun and the Yucatan, and the people there are wonderful, and it's a cool place for Atlante to have relocated from Mexico City. But you also know that when, you know, a team has fans of a certain sort of economic strata and maybe the young, the young men have less to lose and, you know, see the, you know, the Americans as somehow, you know, the enemies are north of the border, uh, I, would, I would be, you know, Concerned that all the security measures are in place because these teams have played twice now and had big fights in both of them, both games. You know, so you know they, they just need to make sure they handle it right because it will be tricky. Um, you know, at the same time, you know, you hope nothing happens up here and then you know the Reds could beat them without you know there being an incident or anything for Atlante to sort of claim. Um, you know, there was. Uh, well, I, I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself because Rose needs to be Joe Public before yeah. that, that happens. And I also think that you know, uh, it would be interesting to see if that uh, those uh, you know those group games come to pass. If Ablante says that those are preseason games too, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, to change the subject a little bit. Um, obviously, the big final coming up on Tuesday against Houston. Um, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> But, I mean, the Revs now without Jay Heaps, most likely, I, I can't see, uh, even if it wasn't unjustified, right, I don't think it's going to get overturned uh, based on what we've seen in the past. Well, it's not because it, it was for uh, violent abuse of language, not for violent conduct. Yeah. So it's not like they can review the tape. The, the referee, uh, you know, I don't know how good the referee's English was, but he felt what Jay said to him was abusive, and I think he was looking for an opportunity to give a red card to balance it out a little bit, and Jay... Uh, you know, put himself in a position where he's able to be red carded. So I, 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 they, I think they will be without Jay. He will not play. Yep. And so, uh, is this a good chance for the Revs to obviously get revenge? I mean, they've had their, the Houston's number in the regular season, but lost to him now twice in uh, the MLS Cup. And here's a, you know another final with a, a million dollars on the line and at home in front of their home fans. Uh, a chance to get a measure of revenge against them. <laughs> Well, it is. You know, I don't think it's the same thing as having the opportunity to beat them for the MLS Cup. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, you know, I'd love to upsell this game as being, you know, a way to get a full measure of revenge, but certainly it is a final. As tough as the loss in MLS Cup in D.C. was last year. Um, I think that you saw that just winning the U.S. I shouldn't say just, but winning the U.S. Open Cup final was a certain amount of balm on the wounds and, and restored some pride like the Revs can could win a big game with, you know, a trophy on the line. Uh, and, and they have in the past. Like, people don't want Eastern Conference championships, but the Revs have won four Eastern Conference championships. It is worth noting. Nobody wants to hear that. But, um, yeah, like, this is big. There's the prize money at stake. Uh, we know it's controversial, you know, the amount in, involved, but uh, it's still, you know, significant money. And I think, you know, the, what worries you from a Revs perspective is that Houston has looked very good 
recently. And Dwayne De Rosario, who didn't look that good earlier in the year, played really well against Pachuca, played really well against uh, West Ham for the All-Stars. And this is another big occasion, which is when he tends to show up. Um, you know, they just got Nate Jaqua back. Their defense appears to be settling down. You know, Bobby Boswell scored the big goal the other day, but he also, you know, is, is playing a lot better again, looking more like the guy, uh, you know, who was the rookie of the year and the guy who got kind of chased out of D.C. last year. And, uh, you know, Houston presents, you know, as we've seen, sometimes a, a bit of a, a challenge. You know, Brad Davis uh, seems to pop up and get into good spots. When he's healthy, he makes a big difference. Ricardo Clark's not as good as Shari Joseph, but he has the ability to, to match Joseph's work rate and provide the ball-winning uh, presence and probably gets forward, if not better, more frequently than Shari does. And they've got guys who frustrate the Reds, like Brian Mullen, who works really, really hard. Um, you know, Onstad is not as good as Reese, but he's almost as good as Reese, and on his day can provide you know, the same ability to, to steal a game or, or keep a, keep his team in the game as Matt does with big saves. So, and Dominic Kinnear, uh, tactically, you know, more than any other manager really seems to, you know, I wouldn't say he has Steve Nichols' number, but he seems to be able to play the counter move. You know, we've seen it in two consecutive uh, MLS Cups where they shifted to 3-5-2. Uh, and I really thought in the second game, last year's final, that that made a difference. <clears throat> if you look at where the goals came from, it, it came from sort of putting Durasario in, in a free role and, you know, stacking the midfield with an extra player. Um, for them, when they, they were losing the midfield in the first half, and in the second half they won it. And so, you know, I think it's going to be a very interesting final. I wish there was enough buzz to say that, you know, we're going to bang it out with, 30,000 people, an opportunity to see Houston lose. Um, I don't know if that's going to happen. I'd love to see as many people as possible get to the stadium because of uh, so you know what is, what's at stake. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, along with an answer to your question, I think it's a great opportunity. It's not the same thing as the MLS Cup, uh, but it's a pretty good, uh, pretty good facsimile thereof. And obviously you mentioned that being at home, that's a great advantage to the Revs. And Houston also having a game on Saturday, so uh, rest in the Revs' favor as well. Definitely, and who knows? Is it enough to rest Taylor Twelman and get him you know, on the field? You'd love to see Twelman in that situation. You know, Dubé and Mensah have done a good job, but Taylor Twelman's Taylor Twelman, you know, and uh, that could be the X factor. You know, what we haven't seen is Taylor out there for long periods of time when Sandy Niasi is flying up and down the wing, serving in balls. Can you imagine? Like, you know, if Taylor had been healthy, he'd probably have 17 goals already. I mean, I think I think with some of the chances Mansali's had lately, uh, Twelman probably would have put him away, like the one in the game uh, against Atlanta, for example. So, uh, lots of chances have been created. I think Twelman would thrive with this current midfield. I completely agree. Um, but before I let you go. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what you have going at RevolutionSoccer.net? I know you mentioned the blog a little bit earlier. Well, the blog's been a great addition. It's, it's, for me, it's a fun way. You know, I used to write the weekly column, and I felt a lot of deadline pressure. I had sort of, I, I felt like, you know, I had to hit a thousand words, you know, uh, every week, uh, which is kind of silly because with the web, you don't need, you don't have those same space constraints. But I'm sort of old school guy with a print background. But uh, with the blog, you know, sometimes I'll post it two days in advance. Sometimes I'll post it at midnight the night before the game. 
and then you get the interaction uh, with the fans, and it's been pretty consistent. In, um, my portion of the blog, I'm not the only one who blogs. You know, the Revolution Communication Department, Communications Department, led by Liz Summers, does a great job of updating with news and, and funny anecdotes and and other snippets. But uh, you know, my my segment broadcast booth bits, which sort of previews the game and you know addresses broadcasting uh, issues. Uh, you know, has gotten good response and some banter back and forth. You know, it's funny. Sometimes people, when they read the preview, sort of write in and say, so, Brad, give, can you give away what the lineup's going to be? Now, if I knew, I have to be honest with you, it's not really, it's not really for me to say. You know, like, I just, I can't, yeah. um, you know, I, I can throw out, you know, sort of what the uh, possibilities are. You know what I mean? But, um, you know, honestly, I didn't know that Jeff Lorenzo was going to drop in. I was actually the best possible option, you know. But, you know, uh, all I can say is, if you're asking me how Pat Phelan's health is, I'll do everything I can to get you an update. But don't ask me to give away the starting the starting 11, you know, five hours before kickoff, because, you know, some teams don't even know Yellow Blog, and other teams have people who, you know, comb the media trying to come up with that information. So, um, other than that, though, it's it's been really a lot of fun, and, uh, you know, I enjoy doing that. We still have In the Net every week, uh, Wednesday at 1.00. With great guests, you know, if you look at some of the top broadcasters and journalists from around American soccer, not just in the New England market, but, but, but nationally, have been guests again this season. This, I've been doing it as the main host since now 2003. And uh, what else? You know, TV 38 uh, has been a great uh, TV partner for us, and we'll be back to that on August 9th and uh, for the you know the away game on the 16th uh, at San Jose. And, and uh, um, the final thing I want to mention is the uh, grassroots soccer dribble, which kicks off uh, on August 20th. Ethan Zahn will be at the D.C. United game on that Wednesday, the 20th, uh, to kick off a dribble run that he's doing to raise money for HIV-AIDS uh, education awareness in, in Africa. And he's going from uh, Foxborough all the way down to, to RFK Stadium. And uh, I've been on the advisory board for that uh, organization for a few years, and we're really excited about uh, you know having that event uh, Come to uh, come to Gillette Stadium, kick off there, and uh, kids should go to grassrootsoccer.org and and uh, see how they can r- raise money and be a part of it. There's some great gear that you can you can win, and some other great prizes, including a trip to Africa for participating. And uh, we're going to include that in our uh, telecast on August 16th and August 20th. So a lot going on. Well, thanks a lot, Brad. Sean, have a good one, man. Uh, keep up the great work. Cheers. Again, that was uh, Revolution Broadcast Executive Brad Feldman, um, and also the play-by-play for the TV and the radio broadcast that the Revs do. Uh, we're going to take another quick break here, and then we'll be back to wrap up the show. National Soccer Hall of Fame is every fan's dream. It's the history of the game in pictures and video, World Cups and jerseys. Visit us online at www.soccerhall.org and plan your trip to Oneonta.
Looking for soccer in New England? It's all right here at Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. New England's premier soccer magazine celebrating over 20 years of in-depth soccer coverage. Professional teams, college soccer, men's and women's amateur leagues, youth and high school teams. Soccer New England Magazine's got it covered. Looking for youth soccer camps? You'll find them here. Dedicated to bringing the excitement of soccer home to you with stories, scores, and insights in both print and on the web. Soccer New England Magazine and SoccerNewEngland.com. Covering the entire sport for the entire region for over 20 years. And now back to Revolution Recap with Sean Donahue on WNRI AM 1380. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. I'm Sean Donahue here. Uh, just a couple minutes left in the show. I do want to uh, once again go back to the final that's coming up um, on Tuesday here. Um, don't want to miss that one. Uh, that game at 8 o'clock p.m. here Eastern Time um, at Gillette Stadium. Of course, if you can make it to the game, certainly one uh, you don't want to miss a rematch with Houston and right here at Gillette Stadium uh, with the prize of a million dollars on the line. Uh, obviously, not all that goes to the players that we talked about earlier, but um, still a big competition here. Uh, larger prize for the players than, say, the U.S. Open Cup would be. Uh, and, and, an excellent chance for the refs to gain, really, their second major trophy after having won the Open Cup last year. So uh, it should be interesting to see who fills in for Jay Heaps. I would guess that we might see Chris Tierney at left back. Uh, Michi Igwe in the center, um, along with Jeff Ronowitz, so some more guys probably forced to play out of position. But uh, at the same time, that's not the, all those guys have experience now uh, with the first team. Tierney's played left back a couple of games in the Super League, so not not that bad of an option. Uh, it should be interesting to see how they go up against Houston. Um, Twelman obviously close to returning. Uh, Adam Crispin obviously made his uh, return uh, as a substitute in this last game. Um, so really a lot, of, a lot more options available for the Revs. Caster made his return too as a starter in this in this last game, so he'll probably go again starting this one. Um, Kano Smith, uh, the option off the bench with the speed. Wells Thompson play, but he's another option um, for the Revs in this game. So uh, a great chance for the Revs to you know get another trophy, and if you can come out to this game, certainly one you do not want to miss. Um, but however you can, it will be on Telefutura, nationally televised. Uh, we'll also be at Superliga2008.com, uh, an English language broadcast over the internet. Um, so that should, that's another option for you to watch this game as well. Um, but again, uh, this is the Superliga final here, um, right at Toulette Stadium on August 8th. Um, and again, th- this is not the, the, um, the Revs last even home game this week, I believe. They have, also have a game coming up, um, after this one on Saturday, uh, August 9th. Uh, against the Chicago Fire at home at Gillette Stadium as well. So two really good games to come out uh, and go to if you're in the area uh, and if you can make it to those two games because don't forget that this um, Chicago Fire team has beaten the Revs twice so far this year, once 4 to nothing and once 3 to nothing. So the Revs are going to want some revenge. Uh, Chicago recently signed Brian McBride, but he's away with the Olympic team. So that will help the Revs a bit there, um, uh, not having to go up against him. And, of course, they traded Chad Barrett for him to Toronto. So uh, another four they'll be without in this one. Uh, so a great opportunity for the Revs to you know make up for those disappointing losses they've had to Chicago already this year. Um, so again, get out to these two games. We'll be back next week. We will be on live next week too um, on next Sunday night right here on WNRI AM 1380. Uh, again, you can get the archives at RevolutionRecap.com. Make sure to check out the blog at uh, blog.RevolutionRecap.com um, and look for the the uh, feature article on Michael Parker is going to the Olympics and 
uh, this month's sports review if you are from Rhode Island. Um, again, thanks for joining us today. We'll be back next week. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.